Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today we're going to talk about... What we're looking forward to next year. Our personal gaming habits. And changes to the podcast. Mike, what are you looking forward to in 2023? I mean, basically, Tears of the Kingdom and then, you know, mic drop, except I'm not really going to drop the mic because it's in a stand. But yeah, basically, Tears of the Kingdom and that's it. <laughs> I mean, that was that was quick. <laughs> Why? I mean, anyone can say, I'm really looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom. I, I think a lot of it is going to probably come up in the later sections of the podcast but just yeah i'm just i just realized like i don't really care about anything now like there's not really anything i'm really hyped for except weirdly for tears of the kingdom or in my head still the sequel to breath of the wild you know like i don't even know why i'm so hyped for it there's just there's clearly just something about that game and like the the feelings of nostalgia and whatever it conjured in me that I want more, like I want more of that feeling, you know, like I th- I think it's that Breath of the Wild is one of the only games I have played in like basically almost since we started the podcast, right? That like made me feel something, you know, I mean, there's, there's a very small number of games that like made me feel something. There's like, you know, like Undertale as, well, you know, as often frequently said, but then like the magic of Undertale also kind of wore off. Whereas yeah, Breath of the Wild, it's not the story. It was just like the actual gameplay and feeling of discovery and like the whole thing. Like the story was almost the weakest part of it. It's like the it's like the opposite of Undertale, right? Like it's it's not resorting to like brain hacks and fun music and quirky characters to to make me feel this way. It's it's literally like the game was so good and it's been so long since I actually played a game where I felt like it was really fresh and new and I really wanted just to play the game because it was so fun. So I just want more of that. And that is why I am hyped for Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like everything else coming out is kind of going to be probably very good, probably very competent, but also just like nothing new. Before before you leave me behind, I'm my top game for next year is also Tears of the Kingdom it's been so long I think we can be really surprised by what Nintendo will do yeah I mean it's been in development five years the Switch is 20 <laughs> I don't even know anymore <laughs> it's been in development for a while and I, I think like I actually almost feel like the latest set of trailers made me slightly less excited for it than I was before. When there was just that weird cinematic trailer of, you know, Ganon being held down by the mysterious green spiral and then the, you know, Hyrule Castle rising into the into the air covered by malice. Like that was like, oh wow, there's so much promise. Like anything could happen. And then Weirdly, now that we've got more information and that big mural of the presumably goddess Hylia or something, I don't know, like it's it's slightly more real, but it's also 
it, you know, it's like reality never lives up to your dreams kind of thing. Or rarely does. So, so strangely, I'm slightly less excited now that it's been tempered by seeing the actual game in action a bit more. I don't feel we've seen that much. I think they, they can still hold back important elements. Yeah, that's the, they, there's probably still going to be wild surprises, I'm hoping. Like, Breath of the Wild was just so full of incredible stuff that maybe they're just playing their cards close to their chest. Yeah. I mean, they must know that the hype is off the charts for this game. Like, they must know that Breath of the Wild was, you know, such a home run. They really, really, like, hit it out of the park with that game. Apart from the weapon durability. So they just need to fix the weapon durability and have some better dungeons, you know, than the Divine Beasts. And then, then it's, like, literally, you know, Metacritic 100. It's not, it's not that simple. It's not that simple, Mike. You know, know it's not that not, simple. I know it's not that simple because there are always contrarian people who give it, like, a 6 out of 10 just to try and make their no, name as a journalist. What I mean- what I mean is, you know, even the later trailers have tempered your enthusiasm. So it's not as simple as more of the same, minus weapon durability. Yeah, I know. I know. G- game design is a strange and mysterious thing. You know, I realise having actually tried to make some stuff from a blank slate and realising it's not at all obvious what you should do. So, Yeah. But, you know, they've got their best people on it, right? Yeah. Okay, so now we've got that out of the way. Then <laughs> that, When's that coming? That's coming out in May, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think it'll be May before we know it. So my game, which is slightly just under Tears of the Kingdom, is, is Baldur's Gate 3. I find this a really funny choice from you. Why not? I mean, I loved Baldur's Gate 2. I have I, I know how I've played it and finished I find, it. I find it really surprising that you loved Baldur's Gate 2 that much because you didn't you didn't play it for the story, right? No, you played it for mechanics and the the, the I say the squad. I do the characters, the writing. Okay, so that is the story, really. Then yeah, but I didn't care about the, like the bigger picture, like the bigger goal. I didn't care about that. But but that's okay. not what Bioware is about, is it? It's all about. The relationships with yeah, you. I do think it is the characters like who come in your party and yeah. yeah, the adventure you've gone on together. Exactly. And there was definitely that sense of epic adventure. And I'm hoping Baldur's Gate 3 will capture that. I mean, I, I literally have Baldur's Gate 3 in my Steam library right now. <laughs> like, we could play it right now. Though it's early access, obviously. Larian can pull it off. I've not played Divinity, the Divinity game, so I don't know whether how they compare to the original Baldur's Gate games. I mean, I think it is quite different. It it feels like Divinity Original Sin 2 with a Baldur's Gate what with a with a D skin. You know, like I I did buy and play like an hour or two of it, but there were just so many bugs because this was right after it, you know, launched in early access. And then subsequently went on to play Divinity Original Sin 2 in multiplayer with a friend, like a hundred hours of it. So, you know, my recollection is that it feels more like Divinity Original Sin 2 than Baldur's Gate 2. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. Divinity Original Sin 2 is also a very good game. I'm hopeful. Yeah. So they're saying it's going to hit 1.0 in 2023 then? In August, yeah. In August. Okay. Cool. Well, that gives some time to finish Tears of the Kingdom first. Yeah. One more thing that we're really looking forward to. I don't, I don't know what you think about this. I don't know if you're really looking forward to it. Yeah. The Super Mario movie. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt pretends to be Italian plumber. Are you bothered by this? I, I don't know. The trailers, the trailers are full of Mario references. It's funny as well, because like Chris Pratt is the only voice that I think anyone's got any issue with. Everyone else, like all the other voice casting, everyone's quite happy with, right? It's just like Chris Pratt, they're just like, I think it's just that in everybody's head, people already had an idea of Mario's voice. But I, I think it's fine. He's doing, a, he's doing an okay job. 
So I'm sure it won't detract from my enjoyment of the movie. And it's it's made by Illumination, right? They're the ones who do all the Minions films and stuff. So I think, you know, they, they know how to make a good animated film. Yeah, they do. And the soundtrack has been epic. Well, the the tra- soundtrack you've got from the trailers has been epic. Yeah. Well, when's it out? Uh, April. April, okay. It's, it's, oh, I cannot believe how good those trailers have been and how faithful they've been to the material. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of references to the actual games and stuff in there. Surprisingly. Yeah, they definitely understand Mario. It's not someone who's tried to make a comedy out of Mario who has no understanding of the world. Well, but you see, you say that, but what is the world of Mario, right? Like, I feel like they oh, just I see invented it, but it seems plausible. Like, it, it's actually the world of the Mushroom Kingdom that they've presented is actually kind of like the Universal Studios theme park, which is perfect because obviously that's opening in the US as well, isn't it? The Mario Land there. So good tie-in, good timing. Maybe I'm just looking for depth where there is none. Regardless, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're both going to see it. I'm definitely going to see it. It's it's interesting to think, actually, like good and bad video game movies. I I thought the Sonic movie was good. So this, but this will probably be better than the Sonic movie, right? Like the Sonic movie wasn't really anything much to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's just kind of carried by Jim Carrey, right? Doing hilarious Dr. Robotnik. So... Yeah, you know, I, I think it's probably also because I'm rating the Sonic movie on the Sonic scale. So maybe it's like a six to eight out of ten, which which makes it a ten on the Sonic scale. But, you know, Mario Mario stuff is actually good. So I've probably got higher standards for it. Have you seen the second Sonic film? I have not. I, I've I've watched the first like couple of minutes of it, and it was pretty funny. But I haven't watched the whole thing. How does it how on the funny scale, how does it compare to Detective Pikachu. I think it's better. I didn't think Detective Pikachu was that good, honestly. Okay. All right. And then what? We're just going to go through some other games. Yeah, let's go through some other games. I I, I put Hogwarts Legacy on here just because I I keep wanting to hear you talk about Hogwarts Legacy. I don't even know why. I don't even care about this game. For some reason, I think you care about this game. But wait, wait. I don't even know why I think you care about this game because you've not even read the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Did you once say that you were interested in this game? I am interested in this game. Okay, okay. I'm not delusional then. But I know it's not going to be amazing. It'll probably be like a 7 out of 10 game. It's basically going to be sandbox Hogwarts, right? It's going to be like GTA Hogwarts. By Bully. Bully. Yeah, there you go. That's a better, that's a better parallel. I don't know. I can't. I can't see how it will be good. I mean, how it will be amazing or how it'll be great. I mean, I think. Well, hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, I think it probably could be good, but then the problem is that the the Hogwarts world building is just so all over the place. Like, it's not. You know, you get like hard and soft world building, and the Wizarding World is mostly soft world building. Which is to say, like, how does magic work? Like, magic works in whatever way is needed to advance the plot, you know? It's not like these are the rules of magic, and thus you can make a game that codifies those rules, and then you can really feel like you're in the game. Like, I don't I don't know how they're going to do, like, the magic and the exploration, because, like, all of that kind of just serves to further the plot in the books, and makes kind of no sense if you try and apply it in a more general sense. Plus, J.K. Rowling has been, like, super cancelled now, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. So, I wonder if that will affect sales too. Because, you know, there are definitely people who are, who are saying they're going to boycott it. I don't, you know, I don't even know. It's hard to know at this point. Yeah, we're, we're too old to understand this now anyway, right? Maybe not you. You're, you're on TikTok. <laughs> I can be on TikTok too now I'm in Singapore. Yeah, but you can still be fed. You can still be fed some 
seriously dumb stuff on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, moving on. Starfield. This could be amazing. This could be seriously amazing because I want Interstellar the game. I still want Interstellar the game. Yeah, you want this to be what you thought No Man's Sky was going to be. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Could be. This, for me, goes in the category of games that I'm not really hyped for, but if I played it, I'd probably really enjoy it. You know, both Skyrim and Fallouts 3 and 4, I didn't pre-order. I didn't really, you know, like, watch all the trailers or anything. But then when they came out, I did get them, and I did really enjoy playing them. But if I didn't get it, I'd also probably be kind of take it or leave it. Like, I, I know I like this kind of game, but it's also probably just more of the same. You know, it's going to be a Bethesda FPS RPG. So it could turn up to be really like Fallout, which would be really disappointing. That's the thing, you see. Like, I, I, is it going to bring anything new to the table or is it just another well-executed Bethesda RPG in a new setting? You know. It needs to capture the sense of exploration that No Man's Sky does deliver. For like five minutes before you realise everything's the same. Yeah. It needs to capture the sense of exploration that Breath of the Wild has, right? That's the thing. That's the difference. But across planets, though, which is hard because of the sense of scale. Yeah, it's really hard. I'm not going to pretend it's easy. <laughs> if you're not going to be guided, I guess you could be guided to the right point of interest and then it's fine. Yeah, it's... It's going to be, yeah, uh, who knows, right? It's very hard to really, I, I think I just can't dream anymore. You know, I can't imagine it can possibly be as good as what would actually excite me. You know, I, I'm just, I really think it's going to be just another well executed, but more of the same Bethesda RPG in space. Because the question I want answered is how many planets will there be that have uh life i say life forms i don't mean life forms they're inhabitable they'll have human stroke aliens settled on them it could be one across the whole game i mean it could be one i mean but you got to think right most games are set on just one small part of a planet this is what makes it so difficult right they're really we don't have we don't have the technology i mean we do have the technology but it's kind of boring right like look at no man's sky the only way you can make enough content to simulate a real planet is by procedurally generating it and i don't know but then again procedural generation has become incredible now just like yeah. look at you know stable diffusion chat gpt you know it's but I, but having said that that's all happened in the last you know 6 to 12 months so i don't think they're using that to do it Plus, that stuff is, like, wild and crazy. It's, like, untamed, you know? Like, you never know what's going to spit out. But their parent company is a technology company. So they do have the resources. Does, does, does Microsoft have its own AI platform? I'm sure they do. So you could, you could you know, they could generate reams of text, and they could I generate... Really don't, I don't think they are. That's I don't not think they're the doing answer this. to anything, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, they're not... I don't, I don't think they are. I think... I think this is going to be a traditional and competent, you know, Bethesda RPG. And it will just, it, it will be good, you know. It's going to be like a 9 out of 10, but it also won't be anything new. It won't be anything we haven't seen before. It's my prediction. You know, it's always nice to be surprised. I, I wait the day where they say, sack the um, story writers, the quest designers. We're going to just generate all the quests. We're going to give it five lines. <laughs> for a quest and it's going to generate the rest of it wow capitalist ting replacing replacing humans by machines yeah i also have elon on my tiktok feed that's also a problem so oh, no. <laughs> what's he saying what's he no you know let's not go there let's not go there that's another rabbit hole i don't think i think it's gonna i don't know i hope they don't rush it i hope it's polished but then if it's polished is that enough for it to compete with sony yeah i don't know not, like Sony quality, I'm not. I'm not saying compete with Sony directly, but you know, I want Sony quality games, quality exclusives. I suppose Sony has Last of Us and God of War as some like really 
top-notch exclusives. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man as well. Um, Horizon. If you it, well, we're stretching with Horizon. What Uncharted? Is Horizon not good enough? No, it's great. It's God of War and interesting. Last of Us. I, I don't Uncharted. know. I haven't actually played it. Okay. Well, anyway, Starfield is meant to be 2023 as well. So let's see if it slips. It's already it's already slipped already, hasn't it? It slipped from this yeah, year. It, it, yeah, it already slipped to 2023. So next one, Judas. Yeah. I'm not sure this is going to get released next year or in 2023. Yeah, this one, there's no release date attached. So presumably this is not really 2023. It's just that the trailer dropped at the Game Awards. And Ken Levine has been working on this for like eight years or something, right? Is that is that how long it is? Like Bioshock Infinite got released and then he went and spun off his own company again to make narrative lego right he had all these grand ideas and then now we've got basically space shock which which ironically is not the same as system shock like it it basically looks like bioshock in space bioshock infinite in space rather than the grittiness of system shock it'll be interesting to see whether the result of all this is really some concept of narrative legos being placed into space shock or whether, is it Take Two, has come in and forced a release, and it's ended up being very similar to Bioshock. Yeah, I, I suspect that's what's happened. I think it's like, you know, they've turned around and said, "Look, you've had eight years. What do you have to show for it?" And then they've said, "You know, just just ship it, just make something." And he's like, "Well, I know how to make a Bioshock game," and they're like, "Great, people love that. Do it." So it may be again just more of the same right nothing nothing new but very competently executed bioshock in space which would be fine but but sad but sad yeah you know he i mean the thing is like you can't fault him he really tried right he spent 8 years trying to make this thing this narrative lego right so he definitely he definitely gets points for trying and if he's managed to turn around an actual competent game at the end of it even if it isn't his full dream, well, still well done. Like, it, you yeah. know, it looks good, but it really it, just looks like Bioshock in space. Yeah, I mean, he could have done a Molyneux and done some NFT game. Oh, geez, yeah, Molyneux. <laughs> At least he didn't do a Molyneux. Well, actually, that, you know, that can still happen. It could be NFT. <laughs> Imagine. And, and everyone hates NFTs now. It's funny. It's just like completely 180, right? Like, no serious game company is touching NFTs with a barge pole now. I don't think anyone, I hope not everyone loved NFTs or wanted NFTs and everything. Yeah. Moving on. Another one that's not in 2023. So we got a trailer for Death Stranding 2. That was a surprise to me. I kind of thought Death Stranding had been like the story was wrapped up. But now BB is an octopus and... I don't know. I guess we're all stranded again. I don't know enough about Death Stranding lore to know where this is going to go. Wait, did you finish Death Stranding? No, I didn't. Okay, we both played it, but you didn't finish it. No. I mean, I can also say that I don't know enough about Death Stranding lore. <laughs> like, it's sufficiently mental that, like, I finished the game, but I don't really quite understand what was going on. Like, I, I sort of felt like I did, but now BB's an octopus, so clearly I missed something. And I have no affinity towards it. I don't hate it. What, but I don't really? like it. I don't. I, I nothing. I have no emotion towards Death Stranding. I really surprisingly enjoyed Death Stranding. Like I went into that book club series expecting to just take a massive dump on it, and finished that book club series thinking like, "Wow, I really like Death Stranding. This game is brilliant." And I don't even know why. It's probably just because I had really low expectations for it. Anyway, it's 2024, right? It's supposed to be 2024. You think so? I think there was like a leaked release date. Oh, maybe. Okay, maybe that's a leaked release date then. Also, Kojima's working on something else as well, isn't he? For Microsoft? Yeah. 
Yes, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think no one knows what it is. So we, we've still got another... Well, we're getting more oily baby simulator, but we're, we're getting something else as well, right? Didn't Kojima make some crazy statement about how he intends to live forever as an AI and just keep doing stuff as an AI? I don't know. I don't follow that side. of. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that was a fever dream. You know, I've had quite a few of those as well recently. <laughs> okay. Back to things coming out in 2023. Diablo 4. The previews have been good. Yeah, I... I think we talked about this before and I was just like, I don't care. I'm done with Diablo. You know, I don't, Diablo 3 broke my heart. You know, like I love Diablo 2 so much. And then Diablo 3 was just like a crushing disappointment. And I just don't want to play any more Diablo. But then people are saying this is like Diablo 2 again. Like they're really, they've really gone back to Diablo 2 and like alternate history. What would Diablo 3 be like if we just really extended Diablo 2 instead? And I'm like, mm, okay, maybe, maybe this is actually what I wanted the whole time. I did very cynically say, what have they learned from Diablo 3 and Immortal? You know, just how to make a better Skinner box and charge more microtransactions. But hopefully not. Like, hopefully they're actually genuinely making a good game, you know? Well, actually, they can make a good game. The, the second still part. still feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Full of microtransactions. I think that's the current concern for Diablo 4. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it, but equally you know just like everything else i'm very take it or leave it now i think that if it is just more diablo 2 with fresher graphics it's like well i've kind of played that already and do i need to pour in more of my life to diablo 2 so yeah let's see here's an admission i'd like to make i can't tell you what makes blizzard games great I think the answer to that is that they haven't been great recently. But even with like StarCraft, StarCraft 2, Diablo 2, Overwatch, I couldn't tell you what made them great. They just look really polished to me. I, I think they lost their way. I think they... This is probably just a change in perspective and getting older. And this is, again, something that's going to come up probably in the habit section and stuff. But I feel like Blizzard games just became, again, very competently executed, very polished, but more of the same. And there's nothing new in them. I mean, I'm being unfair because obviously they do have new ideas and stuff. And Overwatch, I guess, you know, the concept of Overwatch and like a hero FPS, team-based FPS, you know, that's, that was something new, but yeah, they are obviously just not resonating with me the same way that their older games did. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, they've got, they've got a great team of artists and engineers and they just make beautiful looking stuff. But is it, is it fun? Is it, is it as good as some of that, you know, like sometimes like the raw edges, right? Sometimes the stuff that is a little bit jank just gives it the character. And I think they don't have some of that, you know, and I think they've lost some of that, right? I don't subscribe to that, by the way. No? Okay. But go on. I, I'm just trying to think of Diablo 2 versus 3 and now what I've seen of 4. But, you know, 4 has skill trees again, right? They've unstreamlined it from three. And that is what I said I wanted. So it won't be this like beautiful polished gemstone. It's going to be this weird mishmash of corner cases as you try and like min max this skill tree and stuff. But that's that's exactly what I do theoretically like. But you won't have time to experiment. You won't have time to. (laughs) I know that's the problem. That's also the problem, right? And then we just like move on to the next one, which is Final Fantasy 16. I think it's the same thing again, right? It's like, is there really time to play this game? Is it going to be worth it versus finishing Persona 5? You've played a lot of the Final Fantasy games. Yes. Does that keep you locked in? 
You played 15. I didn't finish 15. 15 is, I think, where I fell off, right? Like, I've, I have played and finished 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13. And then 11 and 14 are the MMOs. So they don't count really. 15, I started and just like could not get into it. And you finished the remake of 7? Yeah. I've also played 5 and 6. And I think I, I played half of 5 and I played like, I played like 90% of 6, but didn't actually finish it. Weirdly. I don't know. I think it's another one of those like time and place things, you know? I'm I'm nostalgically interested in it because I've played so many of the others, but I don't think Final Fantasy is actually a game for me anymore. But yeah, Diablo 4 and FF16 are both June 2023. Do you want to do RE4? Oh yeah, I do want to do RE4. So Resident Evil 4 remake is coming next year, which is an interesting position for a game to be in. Because it's a, it is a classic game. Yeah, RE4 is the one that rejuvenated the series. But it's also interesting because they've remade, obviously, 1, 2, and 3. And the remakes were more in the style of 4? Well, not really. I, I don't really... I actually haven't played 4, to be honest. So it's so. more of an action horror game rather than a survival horror game. So I think the I think the plan is to make it more survival horror-y. Interesting. It was interesting. When a game already has classic status, is there any value in re- remaking it? Oh, I guess well, the value is in mon- is monetary. Yeah, financial. the value is the millions of dollars. I mean, they managed to remake The Last of Us twice already, right? And I, and I think this is more classic than that. Did they call that a remaster or a remake? I think we had a remaster and then a remake. Oh, ridiculous. So, yeah. This, this is a remake, right? Yeah, this is a remake. I think that's a discussion for another time. I really did not know Last of Us was a remake. I really, they're really pushing that definition, I think, there. I, I might be just totally wrong. I, I have not engaged with any of the nouveau Last of Us stuff. Anyway, going back to Resident Evil 4... The original game was a classic. Can I expect a remaster of it also? I can expect there's it's a higher chance of it being a classic also. Therefore, I, I am interested in this. Okay. You, you've played and finished RE4, the original, right? Yeah, I have, yeah. But would you play a remake? And this, is, this is what's triggered this conversation, this interest. I have no idea what this is. Yeah, I mean, we had the episode years and years and years ago about like remakes, remasters and reboots Yeah, in, in some order. And it does make me wonder if it's worth having that conversation again, because there have been so many more reboots, remakes and remasters since. And yeah, where do we, where do we land on that now? Because uh, when you remake a thing, are you remaking it for the fans or are you remaking it to bring in a new audience? Or obviously it's a bit of both, right? So yeah, interesting. Because I, I you know I haven't played RE4. So do I feel like I should play the original before I play the remake? You know? Yeah, and, and you, would you consider a remake the same as the original? No, it, it, what I'm saying is have, if you played the original, would you consider it's worthwhile playing the remake? And vice yeah. versa. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's like if you've played Final Fantasy VII Remake, you haven't played Final Fantasy VII you know, in my mind, like they're very different, but I don't know if that judgment will apply to the RE4 remake. Because a similar similar situation arises with, with, um, is it Ocarina of Time is on the 3DS? Yes. And the same with Majora's Mask. Yes. But I think if you played those on the 3DS, you have played those games. Like they're close enough that you have played it. But I would, would they call them remakes though? Or they call them, I would, I would be okay if they called that a, re- a remake, those a remake. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there isn't really a formal definition, right, of any it of these words, like a scientific definition. So I guess the words mean what you want them to mean. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And then the one 
slightly indie quirky choice then I've got on this list for me is Viewfinder. So I don't, you know, I don't think we've actually gone and done any real like mining for hidden gems, you know, and the releases next year. All of these are pretty much just from the Game Awards. But yeah, Viewfinder, at least it looks like something pretty fresh. I'm pretty sure I've actually seen this like on a Unity game dev show off thread, or maybe it wasn't Unity thread, maybe it's Unreal Engine, uh, whatever. It's got an interesting puzzle mechanic. It's actually quite similar to the original Portal 2 mechanic, isn't it? Because remember Portal 2 was originally called F-Stop? I don't know anything about Viewfinder. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's a a first-person puzzle game that uses interesting camera perspective tricks, basically. Like, you are kind of taking pictures and then, like, putting that picture down in the world and the perspective of the object you took the picture in kind of like merges with the world. Watch the trailer. It It's interesting and mind-bending. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's certainly novel. It's interesting. We started out with the headliner instead of, we, instead of building up to the headliner, but it's okay. Wait, wait, what? We started with Zelda, Mario and Baldur's Gate. Oh, we should have ended on it. Yeah, yeah I guess so. It's fine. Yeah. The the pacing of this episode is a little weird. I blame the fact that I'm coroned. Like I'm not I'm not all here, you know. I'm I'm like 60% here and the rest of me is in like hibernation. Is it hibernation? No, the opposite of hibernation. Mania? I don't know. <laughs> Combination of it's like sleep deprivation and just you know yeah, don't they say like sleep deprivation is like being drunk for its impact on your IQ or something? Like, I am like half as intelligent as normal. Sorry. Half as witty. Like, that's half crucial. as witty. Yeah, that's the problem. It's just like, it's all feeling a bit flat because I'm just like, only half of me is here. The other half is just like, oh. I, I don't know why I wanted to record this today. I think, I guess like, in case I'm in isolation. Worse. In case you get yeah, worse. Yeah, you're right. I was like, number one, I'm not sure I'm getting better. I like tomorrow I might be worse. And also I've got to isolate for 72 hours. So what can I do but edit the podcast, you know? <laughs> it's a good opportunity to get it done. Should we talk about our habits, personal gaming habits? Yeah, what is this section? This is just like how our gaming habits have changed. Is that right? You know how we get used to our general routine, our general patterns. I want to talk about how things have changed. We've been recording this for seven years now. (laughs) Yeah. And over time, I like to think, whether you like it or not, like it or not, our preferences change. They, they've definitely changed a lot since we started the podcast. And they, that also impacts the podcast, actually. So that's why I'm talking about this now. Yeah. So I don't know how you operate, but in my world, in a lot of aspects of my life, there are two things in operation. There is like ideal world thing, ideal, you know, you know, thing operating at 100% all the time. And there's the real world thing who is a bit of a loser <laughs> and a disappointment to me, to myself. So obviously ideal world thing is bashing out all his backlog games, all the critically acclaimed games. Really? Ideal world thing sounds like a tryhard. <laughs> he is a tryhard. He totally that is that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, I think. Whereas real world thing is like cool. <laughs> Just can't be asked. It's more real. <laughs> Less hopeful. 
Yeah, so there's, I think there's, it's a disconnect between the games I want to play, or I think I should be playing versus the games I really want to play and ought to be playing. The ideal world ting is playing 95s on Metacritic, and real world ting is playing FIFA and COD. Yeah, you know, and also I'd be playing like Steven Sausage Roll as well, <laughs> you know. Baba is you, you know. I mean, that's, that's the natural journey for snob ting, you know. That's why we you're, have you're a You're trying to become a snob. You're trying to turn into me. And be a true critic, right? It's I, like, I think it's it takes like, all sorts. I'm, I'm the one who's playing those games. It's, you, <laughs> we need you to be playing COD. I'm kidding, because now I'm the one who plays COD. Yeah. It's like when actors, you know, they can't just be doing every film they do is an indie art house movie, right? They have to do some Michael Bay blockbusters as well. Yeah. Whether they like it or not. So, so what did this mean? So what I've realised, so I realised I need to play, you know, there's a lot of discussion around playing games on easy mode, low failure, relaxing games. And that's something I've, I've come to realise that I need now. I need games where failure is unlikely or impossible. And then the other one is, we play a lot of old games. I need to play new shiny games. Do we play a lot of old games? You know, we no, we have a backlog. You know, the whole purpose of this oh podcast is to play old games. I, I miss mean, old games. <laughs> this is coming to the change. This whole this whole episode is just alluding to things coming later. The book club is just we've just been playing new stuff. I don't think we played no, any old stuff in the book club, right? So, so you're saying we just don't feel guilty about it? Yeah, so I've actually welcomed the fact we're playing new games via the book club. Yeah. But old Ting would have hated that. <laughs> okay, really? Yeah. And I'm less guilty about playing COD as well as the other one. You have that dumb game. You know, I, we, I, <laughs> I poke fun at Fortnite. But actually, I should play Fortnite, I think. Yeah, Fortnite's great. I'm, exactly. surprised, how, I'm surprised how much I enjoy Fortnite. So that's where we sit. So previously, it was all about playing critically acclaimed games so I could be a better critic. But actually, the reality is, I'm just going to play more COD and new games. So does this mean that your Arkham City save game is just consigned to the bin of history? You're not going to bother? I'll bother, don't worry. I'm still committed to... <laughs> okay. But it, it, it won't be my priority anymore. That's important. And... Maybe, maybe I'll play games on story mode, but I've not crossed that bridge yet. Mm. What, what kind of stuff are you thinking about for this? Is it like Last of Us 2 or Spider-Man or, you know, Miles Morales, etc.? Like, w what are you thinking when you say, like, play games on story mode or Mass Effect? Mass Effect. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I don't say story mode. I don't really mean story mode. I will play games which are easier, really, because of my experience with Elden Ring. <laughs> what, you found it too hard? I just, I didn't find it too hard. I just found I didn't enjoy it. So recently, I mean, just before the end, the game of the year episode, I played Elden Ring, but I played it co-op and it was much, it was just so fun. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. I, I do know what you mean. I mean, it's true. Like, I think... I also didn't really enjoy the first 20 hours of Elden Ring where I was just like getting smashed into the ground by Margit. You know, it was only once I got that, like those key pieces of my build together and then the game became much more fun. Yeah, so let's be clear. I don't plan to play things on story mode. But it's more about identifying games where I could, which aren't, right, where progress is slow. I need to make progress. Because that's how I measure, that's how I measure everything. Progress. <laughs> you got OKRs for like... <laughs> okay, so this is a change that has happened over the years of the podcast, or it's just something you're, something you're saying you want to do more consciously now? It's, it's something I have to do consciously now, right now. Okay, so it's like an epiphany you had. Yeah, I got really, Elden Ring really killed it. <laughs> oh no sorry i feel bad now it's okay i think that's how you'd learn yeah by failing yeah as market grinds you into the dust because you have that because you you have the pressure of 
making progress so you have something to talk about. I mean, you you have it even worse than me. You have to finish the bloody game. <laughs> yeah, I do try and finish it. I mean, how much? I don't know. Okay, maybe you don't, you know, in this time, this time you didn't have a job. So you're okay. Next time you're going to have a job. And it's going to be, oh, it's going to destroy you. Yeah, I do wonder how it will shake out. But, you know, again, we're just going to change the way we do things, right? So it'll still work. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I mean the- we, we managed this when we had, I mean, I had a job for the first few years of the podcast, right? It's only the last two where I've been this happy-go-lucky, you know. Wim Hof breathing. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I managed it before, so I, I assume I can manage it again. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Because, you know, my my realization, I think I, I was saying that I feel like I have transcended, you know, beyond the backlog and beyond the book club. Like now I'm just like, I realize I just don't need to play any of this stuff. So many games are just, they're just something I've played before. You know, they're like, I, I, I don't need to play another Bethesda RPG. I've played so many Bethesda RPGs. Like, I can play one if I want to, but like, I don't feel like I need to play one and it needs to go on the backlog, right? I don't feel like I need to play Final Fantasy XV to complete the set, you know? I, I've, I've gone beyond it. I've realized I had two years where I had basically all the free time in the world. I could have played anything I wanted to. So I didn't play any of these games, right? I didn't play my backlog because I didn't really want to play it. You know, like before I thought, oh, I would love to play all these games on my backlog, but I'm so busy. I've got all this work to do. And then, no, I just didn't really want to play them. And that's okay. I feel like the natural next stop in this journey is, you just stop playing games. <laughs> well, I, I think actually it's funny. It's coming full circle, right? Because this is this is where we were at the start of the podcast. This is actually why we started the podcast in the first place. Do you remember? Because we were both talking about how we didn't really play games anymore. Like how we both used to really enjoy playing games, but neither of us really did play games anymore. And then we came up with this whole idea of like codifying the backlog and doing all this stuff. But like... I think there are games that we want to play and we should play them. But I think there is also now this epiphany that you don't have to play everything, you know? And then like, we've both, you know, we're both pretty old. We've both played so much stuff. So there's a lot of things where we just don't really need to play it. It's not, it's not, you know, teaching us anything. It's not giving us a new experience. It's like just watching, you know, all of the Marvel superhero movies, you know, like they're fun to watch, but like once you've seen a few of them, you're not really getting anything culturally new out of them either, right? So what are you saying? You don't need to watch every one. Yeah, I'm saying I don't need to watch every one. I'm saying gonna, like he's going, they're going to come for you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just saying that like I don't need to feel like I need to play every Final Fantasy. I don't need to feel like I need to play the new Diablo game. You know, if I want to play it, I can play it, but I can play it for an hour and then put it down. And that's fine as well. You know, I do want to play Tears of the Kingdom. I do think that one is going to bring something new to the table, but I might be wrong. And then, you know, there are occasionally games that really do bring something new and are an experience I haven't had before in gaming. Thing, you know, and they're things that we've played because of the podcast, I think. So like there was Undertale, there's Outer Wilds. Uh we didn't do it on the podcast, but Subnautica, you know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there are games that I've played because I'm playing more games again because of the podcast. And I think, yeah, those are the ones I should be, you know, if I want if I want to like play something new and have like a new cultural experience, yeah, those are the ones I should be looking out for. And meanwhile, I can also just play stuff for fun. You know, something, something that's really changed since the podcast started. All the BR games, you know? <laughs> it's funny to think like at the start of the podcast, 
I mostly enjoyed what like programming puzzle games and tortuous RPGs. And now I just enjoy BRs. The very thing you hated. Yeah. I've become I've become a sweaty FPS player. Or an aspiring sweaty FPS player. I'm not actually that sweaty. But you know, that's okay. Like I just I enjoy it. That's weirdly my <laughs> relaxation game now. One more thing. I don't think I've solved Discovery for myself yet. Maybe I I mean that's the next step, maybe. What what do you mean? Like figuring out what you should play. What will excite me again? I feel like you're trying to find games that will I can't I can't remember the words you used. Culturally. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like a new cultural experience yeah. or something. I, I don't even know. I'm I'm obviously just making up these terms as I go as well. I mean that's wow, that sounds like something I want. I'm not gonna lie, that sounds like something I want. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the thing is it is difficult, right, as an adult. I I I realize weirdly, we just have too much mental baggage. We just have too much context for everything. Right? As, wait, wait, as a generation, as as a as two individuals, as I do think just like being alive for as long as we have been alive. Okay, because we're old. Thank yeah. Because we've we've just seen stuff, right? And it's impossible to enjoy a game with the same purity you did as a teenager or even even as a ten year old, right? Like I think when you play a game and you're you're genuinely a kid, if you can like try and think back back then. There is just like this, yeah, purity to it because there's there's nothing else in your mind except the game, right? You're not thinking about like rent or, you know, the quarterly statement or, you know, your kid's education or even like what you're going to eat for dinner tomorrow, you know? Wait, but on a Sunday night, if you're playing a game at 1am, 2am on a Sunday night, Monday morning... You're not thinking about those things. I think I think you are thinking about those things. Like those things never go away. Or you or you can't help but see the parallels. Like you'll be playing, you know, you'll be playing Undertale and the kid falls down the mountain, right? And if you were a ten year old playing Undertale, you'd be like, haha, the kid falls down the mountain and now there's a funny ghost, right? But like as an adult, you're like, why did the kid fall down the mountain? Where are their parents? You know, there's like all this context to the thing that whether or not it's in the game, you can still see it. It's interesting. Oh, this is this is a proper conversation we could have another time. Yeah. So th- this is what I mean, right? There's like when it comes to the discovery of games or how we enjoy games or what we enjoy, I, I think, yeah, these things have changed. And this is, you know... This is what I'm saying, like, I've transcended the backlog, right? There's things I really wanted to play before. I'm not that person anymore. And that's okay. I don't have... That sound like... It sounds like you have some baggage. I don't have... That baggage <laughs> doesn't weigh on me all the time. If I'm in the mood to play games, that baggage is not with me. Obviously, if I'm not in the mood to play games, the baggage is there. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but that, with that's you, what but I'm trying to say. That's yeah. exactly what I'm trying to say, right? The reason you don't always feel like playing the game is because the baggage is there. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I want easy mode. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's like learning to be kind to yourself, right? It's the acceptance that sometimes you just don't feel like it. And that's okay. And that's what makes um, TV so easy because it's an obvious solution because it's a passive i think you mean youtube <laughs> youtube sorry <laughs> yeah. it's just such a you don't have to be in the right mood for it you'll get there eventually if you watch enough youtube yeah that's interesting though i thought taking two years off would clear you of all your baggage no it it actually just made me realize all the things i needed to sort out and then now i've i've gone back to the you know back to work so it's all right. I'll I'll work for a bit and I'll take another two years off and actually fix the problems. It's actually interesting because you're right. If you're in the middle of the grind, you get this delusion that 
you're progressing so it's okay you know you're not getting left behind i don't know why it matters that you're being left behind or not right but you get this satisfaction that at least you're taking a step forward yeah i i definitely have a different perspective after this long break which is i don't know all the stuff i i said plus a load of other non-gaming stuff too it's it's hard to sum up i mean but a lot of it really is just you you know you think you're fine and then you realize like oh actually i have all these weird hang-ups but it takes longer than two years to fix those it turns out i think a really good one that i've observed is or we can both agree on is that we we say that if given a long you know a mass um, if given a significant amount of time we will do something the reality is it's much harder than that right yeah i know you're that you're more likely I, to do it if you don't have the time exactly because that's the real test yeah i'm actually wondering if i'm more likely to write a hit indie game now i've got a job again yeah exactly because writing the hit indie game is going to be more relaxing than the job whereas before writing the hit indie game was more stressful than just going for a nice hike and working on my six pack so <laughs> it says a lot when you prefer your working on the six pack over writing your hit indie game I, I really, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but I really realized that I didn't actually really want to make anything. Like I had, a, I had a bunch of ideas that I thought were academically interesting to make, but I didn't really have a game that I really wanted to make, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you just took the time off too early. Yeah. It's it's the difference between like I have a thing I really want to make or like well now you've got the time to make something figure out what you should do with that time. It's like I it's like I didn't have the muse, you know. Anyway, this is all got very serious. It's all got very serious. <laughs> so I'm interested it's, it's turned into a vlog. Yeah. Well anyway, let's move on to the concrete actions from all of these epiphanies. Changes to the podcast. So I wanted to be more free of, of the games I played. So I just re- wanted to reduce the gaming obligations that I had. So to me, that means no more pre-announced book club games or book club episodes. Yeah, I think the thing is, j- just thinking about it from a practical standpoint, right? We used to pre-announce the book club game because I thought people might write in and give us fun anecdotes and then we'd include them in the episode if people knew we were going to talk about it by this date and that did happen a few times but it doesn't happen every time and i don't think it happens enough for it to be worth us pre-announcing the book club game and having to play it to a schedule you know and also there are even times when we say this is the book club game but then we just play something else and it would be nice just to like pivot and have that be the book club game instead right it's like how i played 180 hours of the perfect tower 2 when i should have been playing elden ring and we could have just talked about the perfect tower 2 for a month you know so yeah i think something we both agree on is we're not going to bother pre-announcing the book club game i think we'll still do book club games but they'll just drop out of the blue and if you want to talk to us about them that's great still. Like maybe we'll still do full up eps or part twos or part threes if we, if we really want to, but it's not going to be playing to a schedule anymore. And other than that, I think we're just throwing the whole format under the bus, to be honest. I think we're just saying like, 
it's a new year. It's a new inverted commas season of the podcast. It's uh honestly it's kind of like a soft reboot of my life because it's like when I moved to Hong Kong, except again in Singapore, right? And who knows how busy I'm gonna be. So I think we're just saying we are both willing to significantly change the podcast format. Yes, but there you know, there will there will be some staples. So we will continue to have it will be game discussion or tech discussion. Okay, okay. Right? You, you're stopping me from having my my therapy podcast. Yeah. And I think we may have longer pre-chats. Well, I, I think all of this is up in the air. So I think what yeah. we're saying is everything can change in sort of things can become shorter or longer, but the topics will be the same, I think. Like we game discussion now playing, tech discussion, pre-chat. Well, we had Top, you know, two years like, of pretty much only doing book club apps. Like, yeah. I think, you know, in the last couple of years, I really thought that we should try and stick to the officially stated, you know, modus operandi of the podcast. You know, we said we're a book club for games. Let's try and just really be a book club for games. But I think it was actually quite a drag for you in particular, trying to play the stuff to the schedule. And it was also kind of less fun. Right. Like I think some of the the best episodes have been the ones where we did go really off piece. (laughs) So I think we're really coming full circle and we've looked at why we're playing games again. And we're just kind of it's going to kind of be like the first year of the podcast again, but hopefully with better editing and better content. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll try. We'll try a few different things and we'll see what sticks. So we'll, we'll. We'll still have probably one ep a month pre-chat and main ep, but we may have shorter eps. We may randomly have extra bonus eps. I was suggesting to you, maybe we could have like a Mass Effect diary where (laughs) you, you know, that's like the book club game. You just talk about where you've got to in Mass Effect. And then I critique you for your romance choices or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's all up in the air. We might talk about more tech stuff. We might talk about AI, stable diffusion, chat GPT. Since, you know, we know about that too. Or do we? I don't know. We'll find out when we talk about it. We might talk about your game dev. Yeah. (laughs) If if I do any (laughs) more. This is a good way to start the new year, by the way. Yeah. it's uh, Like I said, it's a soft reboot of my life. It really is just like when I moved to Hong Kong again all those years ago. Except that now I've got COVID. That will pass, hopefully. <laughs> but this is better be a transient thing. You seem okay with it, so I'm hopeful. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit. R slash Lost Levels Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today? I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff I probably should be grateful for, but I feel kind of annoyed because I've got COVID, you know? I can't believe it. I'm actually... I'm sorry, I know this is the opposite of what I should be doing, but I'm just really salty about it. I really thought I'd make it through. Did we talk about this already? I can't even remember. My my mind is shot due to COVID. I thought I thought I was going to make it through the pandemic without without catching it. I thought I was going to win COVID Royale, but but no, I've been eliminated. The whole point of this section was to teach you about gratitude. And this is not clearly I don't know how long we've been doing this section. It's not worked. <laughs> I think it's funnier. I think it's funnier if I subvert it. Things that are nice. I moved into this service apartment. It's very nice. It smells of roast lamb. You know, it's like yin and yang. I'm giving I'm giving a good thing and a bad thing. Is this the opposite? I should only no, be giving the good thing. Yes. <laughs> so I moved into this nice service apartment, but it smells of roast lamb. But I quite like roast lamb. So... <laughs> 
It's got a good breakfast, but I've got COVID, so I shouldn't go to the breakfast. Oh, don't announce it, please. <laughs> I don't know. What else, what else should I be unambiguously grateful for? I, I won $30 on a slot machine in Las Vegas, but maybe that's what gave me COVID. Sorry, sorry. I'm really messing with you here. <laughs> I am grateful that I got to see my family at Christmas. I didn't think it was going to happen, but we all made it to Vegas and we all had a fun Vegas Christmas together. So there you go. That's a nice and wholesome one. So Michael says bye. Bye-bye.